Finally, uh, we've been able to get this uh, interview in the can. I'm uh, grateful to our guest, uh, Sandra McGuire, for her patience. Uh, Sandra and I talked a while ago and we sat down and uh, there's a lot of different stories. We've brought out many different stories in these interviews that we've done of people who come up and, and were willing to be interviewed. This story is fascinating of the spiritual journey that this woman has taken. And here she is with us uh, at campus, and that's how we met. So everybody, this is Sandra McGuire. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Sean. You're welcome. Uh, and as we have done with almost everybody else, will you go back? I just love to know where people are born and what their childhood was like with mom and dad, religion, and God. Okay. Well, I was born back in 1942. Whew, an honest woman. Yeah, I'm 75. Wow. <laughs> in Altadena, California. Three years later, my brother was born. And when I was four, we moved to Glendora, California, which is in the, near the San Gabriel Mountains. We had several moves uh, through those years, but Glendora always wound up as the, my main hometown. Uh, my parents went church shopping and decided on the Christian church. And we went to the Christian church, and when I was 10 years old and my brother was seven, we went forward and accepted Jesus as our savior. We were baptized by immersion and it was our church home and going to Sunday school and church every Sunday. Mm. Uh, when I was 11 years old, I had my first uh, spiritual experience. I'm going to read a scripture. 1 John 4, 1 through 3. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. Mm. Well, when I was about 11, our family pet who had uh, been born, my parents had gotten this little dog before I was born. and because of the lifetime of dogs, she passed away. And I was out on the lawn uh, playing with my dolls a few days after she had died and looked up and there I see her walking down the sidewalk and she makes a turn and goes up the walkway. And I got up and went running after her and she was gone. It's the only ghost I've seen in my life, but I, knew from then on that these little animals that we love so much do have a spirit that survives death. Hmm. And uh, that's always been a comfort to me because I do love my animals so much. Then when I was, later on my grandfather passed away and my grandmother came to live with us and she had been raised Presbyterian, had been Presbyterian all the way back to Scotland. Wow. You know, it's just, was, that was the family religion. And uh, when my grandfather passed away, she came to live with us and started going to church with us at the Christian church. Well, a lady from the church came to my mom and was very upset and told my mom that 
she was very upset that my grandmother was coming to church there and there were other elderly people because they had been baptized the wrong way. They had been sprinkled and in this church they baptized by immersion. This really upset my mom. And she would say to people, would Jesus stand at the door and turn somebody away because they'd been baptized the wrong way? And my mom was a seeker and was searching for truth and I followed along with her. And she started reading books on reincarnation and karma. I started reading books about Edgar Cayce. He was a psychic who would go into trance and at first would give healing uh, readings, tell a person, would, they'd give an address and he would be able to go and look into the body and see what had happened. And, and then finally they would ask, well, what was the cause of this illness? And he started going back into past lifetimes. Mm. And so we were studying this and learning about karma and reincarnation that uh, what you sow, you reap, and that he who lives by the sword dies by the sword. And this became part of, and then my mom found the Unity Church. And we left the Christian church and went to Unity, which was a more a new thought type religion. Uh, believed in the Bible, taught the Bible, but also believed in reincarnation and karma. Mm and in positive thinking, very much so that the, if you were, there was illness, you could overcome it by just thinking positive, think that the illness is gone, I'm healed, I'm, everything's fine. Well, after that, we were going to the Unity Church and my favorite uncle had a heart attack and passed away when he was 42. And he left my aunt and four little children. About three or four days after he passed away, I was sleeping and all of a sudden I felt a hand on my arm and had this experience. My uncle was there. I didn't open my eyes. It was dark in the room, but he was there much more than you, I, I'm aware of you being here. Mm because I didn't have to see him, I didn't have to touch him. I was totally aware of his thoughts, of his feeling. And he was sending me all this love. And, I and he wanted to tell me to tell my aunt something. We never got to that because I became panicked because all of a sudden, he's dead, this is a ghost. And I got very fearful. And he could sense, he could, was totally aware of the fear and he was very puzzled that I was afraid of him and he left. And for a couple of months after that, I slept with the lights on. And, but then as I thought about it through the years, it was like the greatest gift he could give me because I knew that he survived death, that life goes on. And, uh, then about a year after that, or about the time that he died actually, is when my brother, who was an athlete and ran cross country and uh, was letter president of Letterman's Club, very popular, all of a sudden he got sick and found out he had Hodgkin's disease, cancer of the lymphatic system. And 
went through a year of chemotherapy and radiation. And my mom and my dad and I, we all, with going to Unity, think positive, he's going to get well. Don't, don't even think the thought that he could die. Be positive. And well, after a year, he graduated from high school. And the next November, he passed away. Mm. And it was a great loss to the family. And uh, it was me having to come to grips. Well, we can't just control things with our positive thinking. Mm. Uh, God is in control, and we don't always understand why things happen, but they happen. Mm. So then, uh, right after that, I had met a young, handsome young man, and we got married. and. And he worked for Aerojet General Corporation and was transferred up to the Sacramento area. So we moved to Sacramento. And my folks, they sold their home to get enough money out of the house just to pay all the doctor bills that had piled up. And they moved up to be near us and they basically started over. And uh, we continued going to the Unity Church and then mom decided to start uh, Edgar Casey study group. And it, we were listed uh, with the ARE, the Association for Research Enlightenment uh, in Virginia Beach. And so anyone that wanted to go to a study group could call and find an address. And we would have anywhere from 15 to 30 people show up at our study group. And we studied the teachings of Edgar Cayce, the, he had two books, The Search for God. And it was uh, Christian oriented, but also with the belief in reincarnation and karma that when mankind fell, when Adam and Eve fell, it was the story of all of mankind. Mm -hmm. That uh, we were all here because we needed to learn to love and to do God's will. And we also started reading other, other types of books. I read Theosophy, and uh, with Madame Blavatsky had started that. At the time, I didn't know the history, and just I thought the teachings were wonderful. And uh, later on, I found out that she was very anti-Christian, and that she even named her periodical Lucifer. And uh, then we were studying Annalise Scarron, who was uh, a Mormon who was excommunicated from the Mormon church because she uh, believed that we were to take the ascension. And we read about how she had, had glorified her body and that she had had false teeth and all of a sudden she had a full mouth of teeth and, and uh, read all her books and I found out years later that if her body was so glorified, why could you go visit her grave in <laughs> California? <laughs> and we've, then we read books from the I Am movement, which was teachings of the Ascended Masters. And the basic teachings of, the, of Ascended Masters is that we all keep reincarnating until we do as Jesus did and take our ascension. Mm. And uh, that there were all kinds of ascended masters on the other side. 
at that time, I became involved with the Summit Lighthouse, and they had two messengers, Mark Prophet and Elizabeth Clare Prophet, and they would give dictations to these ascended masters. And so, like on a Sunday, you might have Jesus come and give a dictation, or Mother Mary, or John the Beloved, or Buddha, all these uh, different ascended masters. And the teachings that they would give out were always Christian, biblical-based. You know, it was always full of scripture. And uh, but what? And so I got very interested in the the group and started going to conferences. And we had a little study group in uh, Sacramento. And about this time, my marriage broke up. Uh, my husband had a heavy drinking problem, and there was just lots of problems there, and so we, the marriage broke up. Was he with you in the Ascended Masters? Trip? No, he was not. Mm. And, and I met, forgot to mention, in that time, I gave birth to two beautiful children, mm. my son John, who was born in 1966, and my daughter Kathleen, who was born in 1971. So anyway, we got divorced, and I was going to this little study group, and uh, had another spiritual experience that was rather weird. We would always have a Wednesday night service where we prayed for healing for the planet and for people, and then we would have a meditation, and I was sitting there meditating, and all of a sudden, I felt a body that came up to about here, the top of the head, and... It was like I was superimposed, and I knew that this was a little Japanese girl, uh, like a geisha girl, and, and the, the thought was, boy, I was really little at that time. Mm. And uh, it just, that was there, and then it was gone. Well, then after the divorce, we moved down to Southern California to be where the church was, and uh, their headquarters were down in Malibu. And... I would take my son there, to, he went to school there, and I would take him to school, and one day I had a second past life vision. Uh, <clears throat> went in and we were going to say our morning prayers and the decree leader said, now we will put on the full armor of God. And we would do calls to Archangel Michael for protection. And all of a sudden I'm seeing myself as clearly as I see myself now. And I was looking down at myself as this Roman soldier. And I had my armor on. And it was like, oh, I was a Roman soldier at one time. What did I do then? <laughs> you know? So ge gender doesn't matter when you... No, in the reincarnation, uh, you know, like there's stories where like, a, say a woman has children in a previous lifetime and she abandons those children because she wants to go do her thing. And then another lifetime she'll come in and she'll want children badly and not be able to have any. Mm. Or someone will murder someone and then in a previous life when she gets, he or she gets to the age of when they murdered somebody, they might have an automobile accident and just be taken out or they'll have their life cut short because they cut short a life. So, that was basically the, the belief in reincarnation. 
So it's tied very closely to karma. To karma, yeah. You mm -hmm. reap what you sow. Mm -hmm. And they also, but they also taught that you didn't have to balance everything the hard way. You can balance things by if what you do is going to come back to you the same way, but you can balance it with service. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, say, someone who had killed many people in a previous embodiment, they might come back this time as a medical doctor and save all kinds of lives. Mm. And then, then this would balance the scales because it was totally a belief in the law mm. that you reap what you sow, you're mm. under the law. So uh, later on, in, in the, we were down there in Southern California and the messenger got a message from the masters that we were gonna have a massive earthquake and they had to sell their property and everyone had to move. So we all moved to Montana. <laughs> the church brought a big cattle ranch right next to Yellowstone National Park. And we had all been vegetarians before, but now that they had a cattle ranch and they found out that when <laughs> men are working on horseback, rounding up cattle, a vegetarian diet doesn't work too well. <laughs> and so we started eating meat again. <laughs> so anyway, I was busy going to church. The belief was that you could balance your karma by prayer and decree and by service and uh, so we in a decree is where we would do chants I'll do a short little chant to give you an example uh, like a prayer to Archangel Michael we would say Lord Michael before Lord Michael behind Lord Michael to the right Lord Michael to the left Lord Michael above Lord Michael below Lord Michael Lord Michael wherever I go we go I am his love protecting here I am his love protecting here I am his love protecting here and then we would speed it up Lord Michael before Lord Michael behind Lord Michael right Lord Michael left Lord Michael above Lord Michael below Lord Michael Michael wherever I go I am his love protecting here I am his love protecting here I am his love protecting here we would do decrees like that, only some much longer, by the hour. Hours and hours of decrees to do prayers for the world, to do prayers for uh, uh, our government, to do prayers for the sick. And So you're balancing the world, you're balancing say, the government. Uh, yeah, we're praying for God to come in and take over and this would balance the karma and then in the process of balancing our karma, we could take our ascension. We wouldn't have to balance everything the hard way. Wow. So it was service. And so we would uh, had Wednesday night services where we prayed for healing for the world and for people. We had Friday night services where we decreed and decreed for those who had passed on. On Saturday night, we would decree for, have decree service of about three hours where we would decree for freedom for the earth and for freedom, people to be cut free from their karma and the negativity and the satanic forces. And uh, Sunday, we would start church about 10 in the morning and go until six, seven at night. Unbelievable. And we were, and it was work, 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 do these works to balance your karma and so that you could get out of this wheel of rebirth coming into this earth. And uh, 
so everything was going along very well. I, the big problem is that when your children reach the age of 12, they are given the choice to go to church or not. Mm. She didn't want anyone there after 12 that didn't want to be there. Well, my children decided, no, they weren't going to go. So what I was doing was I was so busy being, going to all these services and doing all these prayers that I was basically ignoring my children. Mm. And they turned out okay, but <laughs> but it was, you know, it was uh, they were sort of on their own because I wasn't there, and being a, and of course working forty hours a week on top of all this service. And uh, my son graduated from high school, and he started school going to Montana State University there in Bozeman, and everything was fine, and then his car broke down. And uh, I would get off work and, and he would go to school on his bike during the day, but then he would wait till I got home from work and then he'd go to work. He worked at Wendy's at night. And uh, the one night in the eight years I lived there that I had to work that night, I, could, I had to work and I couldn't bring the car home. And so he says, don't worry about it, I'll get a ride. And he rode his bike to work. And I came home 10, 11 o'clock at night, went to bed. And then there was a knock at the door at two in the morning and he'd been killed by a drunk driver. And uh, it's, you know, that was 1985 and the, and the pain is still there. And uh, so I called my parents who were still in the Sacramento area and they flew out immediately. And my, aunt, my mom called my aunt and uncle in Oregon to tell them what had happened. And when my uncle flew in, he says, uh, I have a message from John. Is there a little coffee shop where we can talk? And we went and sat down in the coffee shop and he says, I had Esther call this lady because I was not going to be able to attend a meeting. He was a member of the Masons and was going, had this meeting to go to. And my aunt called the lady. She was full-blooded Indian, psychic sometimes, not one that gave readings or anything, but just would see things. And my aunt got on the phone and said, Virgil can't attend the meeting. His nephew was killed. And she said, a young man has walked through the door. He's tall. Well, John was 6'3". Brown hair, brown eyes. That was right. She says, it looks like he has some Indian blood. Well, my ex-husband was part Choctaw and part Cherokee, so he did have some Indian blood. And she says, he says he has a message for his mother that he's happier than he's ever been before. And there's a song that will tell how he feels. I love you truly because. Well, what my uncle didn't know when he got off the plane was at the time the church had made a cassette tape of love songs. And I love you truly and because we're on the song and I love on the tape and I love to sing and I would sing those songs.
So I'm going to read the words of those songs. I love you truly. I love you truly, truly dear. Life with its sorrow, life with its tear. Fades into dreams when I feel you are near. For I love you truly, truly dear. Ah, love, tis something to feel your kind hand. Ah, yes, tis something by your side to stand. Gone is the sorrow, gone doubt and fear. For you love me truly, truly dear. And then the words to because. Because you come to me with naught save love and hold my hand and lift mine eyes above. A wider world of hope and joy I see because you come to me. Because you speak to me in accent sweet, I find the roses waking round my feet and I am led through tears and joy to thee because you speak to me. Because God made you mine, I'll cherish thee through light and darkness through all time to be and pray his love may make our love divine because God made thee mine. Beautiful. It was a beautiful message for my son. And a couple of days later, I got a call from the messenger of the church. And she said, we haven't seen John at church lately. And I says, well, he's 19. He was questioning his, questioning his faith and didn't know for sure what he believed. And she says, well, was he decreeing? And I said, no. And she said, well, if he would have been decreeing, he could have balanced that karma and this wouldn't have happened. <sighs> and that hurt. It wasn't the beautiful message I'd got through my uncle. <laughs> well, things went on and my daughter graduated from high school and then she moved to Salt Lake City because her dad was living down here. And the messenger got another message from the masters that there was going to be atomic war. And we needed to build bomb shelters and the church build, mat, built massive bomb shelters and then the members of the church, we had separate shelter area. And I didn't have any money to put into a bomb shelter, but I needed two spaces, one for me and my daughter. So I put $10,000 on credit cards to pay for shelter spaces and for food storage and everything because she was saying there was gonna be this horrible war and we had to preserve the teachings of the masters and come when we came out, then we could spread the new teachings to the world. And uh, we worked for a good year building shelters and and then she gave a date that we needed to be in the shelters because the bombs were gonna fall. <laughs> and I had my daughter come up from Salt Lake to, to go to the shelters and once she got to Bozeman, she said, no, I refuse, I'm not going. So I had a lady who rented a room from me and so I says, come on, Lula, let's go down to the shelter. And 
My folks had since moved up to Bozeman, so here I'm going off to a shelter, leaving my parents in Bozeman, leaving my daughter in Bozeman, and going down to this shelter and we're to check in, and the head of the shelter, she said, he says, Lou's name's not on the shelter. I says, well, I paid for two spots. My daughter refused to come, so I brought another member of the church. He says, well, you can't do that. Go home. And so we got in the car and I came home. And of course, there was no nuclear war. But it was a turning point where this prophet's not prophesying, prophesying true prophecy. And uh, so I started thinking about what I believed. And, and then I got a call from my daughter down in Salt Lake that she was pregnant and wasn't married and she didn't know if the boy was gonna stay with her. And this was my perfect excuse to sell my little mobile home and move down to the Salt Lake area. And uh, she and the young man did get married eventually and they had three beautiful children, which are my three beautiful grandchildren. Wonderful. And uh, everything was, going fine. I worked at Sears Grand and, and uh, my father passed away and then my mother had a heart attack and here she was up in Bozeman all by herself and I didn't like that idea and so I said we need to get a house together and so she sold her house and I sold, I had after moving down to Salt Lake, I'd gotten an inheritance from an uncle, and so I had managed to get a little house of my own. And so I sold my house, and mom refused to come to the city. She did not want to come to a big city. And so we had family in uh, Sydney, Nebraska area, and so we moved, got a house there where houses were much cheaper in the Midwest, and, and got a house together and paid cash for it. And, we're all settled in and mom went to a senior group and met a nice gentleman and when she was 85 she got married again and moved out <laughs> and and so i think we were going on and then i got a call from my daughter that her husband had been diagnosed with four stage colon cancer had six months to live and I thought, what is my daughter going to do with those three little children? And, and uh, so I sold my house, sold the house, gave mom her share of the, of the house and, and moved back to Salt Lake. And the kids had a little house that they had as a rental and, and then they decided to sell that house. And so I bought the house from them and that way with the money they could pay doctor bills that were just mounting like crazy. Well, Troy fooled the doctors. He lived about six and a half years with the cancer. Mm. And my mom, she was doing fine and her husband, but then her husband had a stroke and he went to a nursing home. And, and then I got a call that she had, was very ill and so went rushing, rushing to Sydney and the doctor says in six months she won't be here. So I quit my job and moved back to Sydney to take care of her. Well, she fooled the doctors too, because she lived six and a half years longer and wow. she passed away when she was 99 and nine months. Wow. But, uh, so I 
went there to take care of her and uh, she graduated from hospice because she passed that six months. And I started following a group that was an offshoot of the Summit Lighthouse. And now we had computers and internet and live streaming. And so I would go listen to all these services. And, and there we had messengers. And <coughs> I decided to go down. They were, their headquarters was in Tucson. And so I went down to Tucson to go to a conference. And at the end of the conference, they had a banquet where everyone would have a nice, beautiful meal. And I went forward and, and talked to the two messengers of that group. And as I'm talking to them, I said, well, the one thing I know is I'm going to serve God and serve Jesus. And I walked back to my table. And all of a sudden, the presence of God and his love came over me this intense, there's no describing the love that comes from God. He just, it just flowed through me and I was like a, a trance for two, three minutes as this love just flowed through me and, and it was like, wow, God is so much love, so powerful. So, and I went back to Sydney and was still doing some of the decrees and everything and I hadn't followed the next conference and and I after the session ended I had went to the restroom and I was coming down the hall and all of a sudden I had another experience of myself walking behind me it was much taller and more regal very and in the church, the teaching was that we had our individualized I am presence, God presence. We had an individualized Christ self. And so I'm thinking, oh, that's my Christ self. Except it started really messing with my mind. It was, I kept thinking about it and thinking about it. All these decrees we were doing were in the name of my mighty I am presence and my holy Christ self, I pray. And then you would list afterwards, list the ascended masters, list Jesus, Mother Mary, Archangel Michael. And I'm, I'm praying to myself. I can't pray to myself. Mm. And that's when I had the complete break with the teachings of the Ascended Masters. Mm. I can pray to God, my Father, the creator of the galaxies, of this wonderful, magnificent God that showed me his love, and pray to Jesus. And I don't need all these other Ascended Masters. Mm. And so that's when I totally came to just, I'm going to worship God and Jesus and nobody else. How old were you when that happened? Oh, this was probably about five, six years ago. So we're talking, you spent a good part of 60, 70 years mm -hmm. loving God, mm -hmm. seeking Jesus, mm -hmm. but the journey was just absolutely bizarre. bizarre. <laughs> I'm glad you said it, not me. 
Well, I know there's a lot of people that hearing this would think, boy, this woman's nuts. I am glad you brought that up. Those of you who are at home watching this interview, especially if you come from the Christian fundamentalist sort of side, what are you thinking? You know, what are you, what would you have said to her on her journey? And if you had said some of the maybe harsh, mean things that we sometimes can say to stuff like this that we don't agree with, would it have helped or hurt? Would it have driven her away from from uh, things. It's just so interesting how God has been in charge and with you in your life this whole time. Leading me the whole time. And then I went to a, a, a regular Christian church, told the pastor about some of my experiences. He immediately told me that it was all demons, that my <laughs> uncle was a demon. that, And it was like, I can't, you know. Your dog was a demon. Yeah, all of this was demons. And... I couldn't believe that because yeah. the, the experiences were more real than us sitting here. Yeah. And uh, and loving. Yeah. And light and good. And good. There was no evil there. There was nobody telling me to do anything that was against biblical principles. Or, right. And uh, so then I was on the internet and I found you. Oh boy. And, <laughs> and now I, you've really stepped into oh, it. Oh <laughs> well, uh, and be, living in Salt Lake, I wanted to know more about Mormons and everything, and and uh, so yeah, uh, I found that you were open-minded, that you were a seeker, also that you truly love God and yeah. Jesus, and so I decided to come and see what church was like here. Wow. And so this is where I'm going to church. Wow. Well, it is so wonderful to have you uh, here and just just watching you absorb and think and you make comments. And, and here's the unique thing, um, Sandra, tell us, there are some views that Sandra has not let go of that will make you fry on your frying pan. Tell them what a couple of those are. I still believe in reincarnation and karma. Okay, so what do you say to that? I have heard people rail on those two points. Now, I personally, I don't agree with it, but you know, she doesn't agree with everything with me, but she's experienced things I haven't. She believes it. She is someone who seeks to love God and Jesus. She shows it by her journey. I mean, even in the, what you just shared amazes me how you have gone to everybody who needed help in your family. I mean, you're selling houses here. You're moving to help mom. You're moving to, she marries some guy. You move to help your daughter. You move back to help mom. You are, I mean, you have lived, you know, I'm sure there's been problems along the way, but you've lived a very Christian-like life. And she has a belief, which will make people roll over. <laughs> Maybe she's right. We don't know. We just don't know everything, even though we think we do. So, um, but I do have a question, and it's really out of genuine interest. The, with the Christian, biblical Christian teaching being that Christ is, has sort of stepped in and removed the karma factor because he has paid for our sin, is it your belief that that's not the problem? The problem is there's still consequences? Well, no, I still believe in the, the reincarnation and karma, which I would say is being under the law, that you reap what you sow. But that when you totally turn to God and say, okay, I've made a mess of my life, or mm -hmm. I can't do this, you take control. Mm -hmm. And when you surrender to God and surrender to Christ, 
there is grace. I see. And forgiveness. And you don't have to balance it the hard way as long as you keep plodding along, doing the best you can to serve God and to serve Christ. I see. Which is service of love. Love. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that is your law then, uh, personally, is yeah. the law of love. Love. Yeah. Uh, fascinating. And, and again, what do you say, audience, when you hear that? I love this lady. She can say whatever she did, believe whatever she's going to believe. I love her. That's the law. That's the law is the love. Because the other things, we could easily just go back and forth and it doesn't accomplish anything. I'm not gonna change her mind with her life experiences, you know? And that's why we do these interviews, to bring people forward. You have been one of the most unique. We've had some real <laughs> unique ones. That's, that journey is just fascinating. I especially love the fact that it happened when you were so, started when you were so young. You didn't have any preconceived notion. You're out there playing with your dolls and the dog walks by. Really fascinating, Sandra. Any final words you'd like to share with our audience? All you've been through. All I've been through. The main thing is to love Christ and to love God. Yeah. To love because, and be forgiving and don't judge because you don't know what people are going through or where they've been. And so the the whole teaching that Jesus gave was love God, love your fellow man, mm. and follow me, go and sin no more. So mm. we try to live the best we can, mm. but we're human, we're gonna make mistakes, we're gonna sin, but just keep going forward, and I have no fear because I'm in God's hands, and, mm. and he's with me, and I've felt his love, and there's nothing more wonderful than that. What a beautiful witness. I can't thank you enough for being with us, Sandra. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. I'm on a ride Going nowhere I am an existential cowboy On the wind And I won't become This man's awake, a storm's arising, the dawn's awaiting till a hundred monkeys know. And I can feel the light-filled monkeys start 